You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. You don't need to be tech-savvy to record and publish your own podcast, but we're guessing listeners of Into Tomorrow would pick it up easily. And it's also less costly than you might imagine. Plans start at just $12 a month. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com, to start your free trial. Welcome into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. It's Into Tomorrow for the weekend of Friday, March 11th, 2022, as we remind you, as we always do, to remember to check your spam filters frequently. You never know what might be in there that you need to get out of there and whitelist, as some call it, and just get out of spam and say, this is not spam. I want to hear from him or her or them or they, whatever the case, and you want to get it out of spam. And also, don't forget to back up your important data. And if you're hearing this show on Saturday, don't forget to change your clocks tonight, anything that doesn't change automatically. And if you're hearing the show on Sunday, hopefully you set your clocks. This is hour three, if that's what you were expecting to hear. Yeah, we hope you sprung forward. Now, why didn't we mention that the first two hours? Because it's my, your job. My, to clock, keep... my clock hasn't been changed. My reminder went off too late. Uh, yeah, okay. We'll go with that. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> That's a good point. It is spring forward. Lose an hour of sleep weekend. Yeah. Can't believe you didn't remember it previously. Oh, you well. let me down. You let our listeners down. Sorry. <sighs> But just don't forget, that's important. All this means is that, you know, for the next six months, the clock in my car is going to be off by an hour. Well, fix it, (laughs) weirdo. It sort of relates to tech, kind of maybe. But last year, bookmakers around the world slashed their odds on the discovery of extraterrestrial life prior to the National Intelligence's report on unidentified aerial phenomena. Whilst many are still on the lookout with reported sightings coming in daily, some U.S. states and cities offer you a better chance of experiencing the supernatural than others. By analyzing UFO and ghost sighting reports across the U.S., a new report from GreatLakesStakes.com reveals the locations in America with the greatest chance of seeing something spooky. With Florida reportedly experiencing over 9,000 sightings, making our residents' estimated odds of experiencing the supernatural much higher. Well, I see something spooky every time I come into these studios. I beg your pardon. (laughs) Better not be referring to me. Anyway, Florida's top 10 most supernatural locations, that's combined UFO and ghost sightings. Number one, our hometown here in Miami, with 440 UFO and ghost sightings. Oh. Orlando, number two, at 404. Hmm. And then the other eight, uh, whatever. I was surprised, <laughs> frankly, mm-hmm. that we here in Miami see more UFOs and ghosts than other places, at least in Florida. Okay. 
maybe not so much surprised as depressed. (laughs) But still, there you go. So if you're looking to see a ghost or a UFO, come visit us in Miami. But I thought we weren't supposed to call them UFOs anymore. It's the unexplained aerial phenomena. Right. We even had a guest talked about that. You know, that they've changed the name mainly because of the, I guess, the stigma or something. That was an interview that the whole time you're watching me from the control room, I'm rolling my eyes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen any, and I spent many years as a police officer, too, which a lot of police officers, just like a lot of pilots, military and commercial pilots, report unidentified aerial phenomena. Well, plus, you know, I've heard several people bring up good points. How come, you know, it seems like all these uh, UFO sightings and alien abductions all happen here in the U.S. and in the, you know, outskirts? and yeah. Well, you don't, you don't, you don't but, hear people but, in New York City getting abducted by aliens. Well, but Miami's a big city. <laughs> well, I didn't say anything about abductions now, just alleged sightings. Ghosts, well, yeah. Anything can be a UFO. I mean, you can look up, you, know, you don't know for sure that's a plane. So technically, it's a UFO because it's unidentified. No, it's an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah, it's, it's a UAP. It's a UAP. Yeah. I think that's so stupid. But UFO is what it is. It's an unidentified flying object. We don't uh-huh. know what I mean, it is. Could be a plane. Yeah. Could be a firefly. Could be Superman. Right. <laughs> Unless it's not faster than a speeding bullet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to go after that. Attempting to move right along. Yeah. Uh, high-tech systems in new cars that can watch drivers and ensure they're paying attention or taking another leap forward. Those systems which involve cameras and sensors can also be used to determine if a driver has fallen asleep or is experiencing a medical emergency. Other technology already incorporated into the car can then be used to safely pull over the vehicle and even call first responders if the driver is unresponsive. Keith Barry, a car reporter at Consumer Reports, said that the pullover feature is closer than many people realize. He says Mazda is working on some prototypes of the technology in Japan, and Volkswagen has something in Germany that can already do this. He thinks the feature, uh, the feature's arrival in the U.S. may not be far off, especially because the tech makes use of existing systems. I hope that it at least turns on the, your right turn signal. To let traffic know you're trying to get over off the road. Well, that's the only way here in Miami you would know if somebody's having a medical emergency because people don't use turn signals. So if a turn signal was going on, you know the car did it itself. <laughs> yeah, there's that, I guess. Plus, you know, when, you know, the few times I've driven your car, I purposely don't use the turn signal because I like feeling the, the steering wheel fight me when I'm trying to change lanes. Yes, when I'm in that <laughs> lane-keeping-in mode. And the steering wheel vibrates and, and fights you to get, hey, 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 steering required. Well, I am steering. Just Uh into the other lane. But that doesn't happen if you have the turn signal or the lane signal changing thingy, that's the official term, Uh on. Then it doesn't. It doesn't fight you. It just lets you go right over. Yeah. See, I heard one of our local radio guys, you know, years ago had the best suggestion ever. They should build in the cars because you know, people that, the people that do use turn signals here often forget that they're on. Yeah. So they should also build the feature in the cars. After about 30 seconds, the car just automatically turns in the direction the turn signal is going. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Because, because you know, I'm always <laughs> following following down following somebody on along the highway that's had their turn signal on for you know five miles. He usually has has a Canadian license plate. Yeah. Though. So you know, get them out of my way. So just have the car automatically turn in whatever direction the turn signal is signaling. All right. Well, let you work on that. Yeah. Follow it up. NBC Universal has terminated its partnership with Hulu. With all current in-season programming, including Saturday Night Live, that's still around, used to be funny, and The Voice, along with Chicago and Law & Order franchises, now streaming exclusively on the company's own streaming service, Peacock. 
starting in September. Currently, the shows stream on both Hulu and Peacock the day after they air on NBC. And I think, quite frankly, the main reason they are dumping Hulu it, well, number one, it's not Peacock, which is their thing, uh, Concast Company, but because ABC is constantly saying, and available on Hulu, and NBC doesn't want to deal with them anymore. So they're just dumping them. So all of you who have invested in Hulu because you wanted to see some of those NBC shows, sorry about that. That's because that's part of all the streaming madness that's going on these days. Yeah. You know, and these constant, uh, you know, there's, there's a big issue with fans of the show Yellowstone, which, I, you know, I love. Mm-hmm. But it's something very frustrating because it, the, the show airs on Paramount Network, which, of course, is part of the, the, the CBS-owned, you know, networks. But the streaming is on Peacock. So once Which it airs, NBC owned, right? Yeah. Because this is all because of contracts that that were were in place before they they both launched their own services. So, uh, and of course, NBC wants to or CBS wants to take all that back. But Comcast, well, you've got to fulfill your contract. So now Comcast is making money on the streaming for this hit show that everybody wants to watch. That's Paramount. That's Paramount. <laughs> so, so we're waiting to see how long it'll take for it to finally make it over to the Paramount Plus app. Wow. And meanwhile, though, it's it's not helping us consumers. Because, uh-huh. like, you like that show, so you've got to subscribe to that service. Well, and it's like we all like Picard. It's, uh, it's, what is it called? Just Picard? Star Trek Picard. Star Trek Picard, yeah. And even though, man, the first episode was boring, it but, finally yeah, but picked the, up. But the last, like, minute and a half made up for the whole rest yeah, of the episode. Yeah, true. Although why, they don't need Whoopi in it. Enough, no. enough of Whoopi. But Q is back. Q is back. <laughs> and, wow, would it, I hope it's not a spoiler alert. We should have said yeah. spoiler alert in case you haven't caught it yet. Oh, if, you, if you've seen the preview for the season, then you, well, know, yeah. you knew Q was back. And seven of nine. Yes. Okay, now we're getting too geeky about all that nonsense. Yeah. But, well, I can uh, say I'm an old Trekkie. Yeah, okay. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> so if you don't like or don't play Wortle, now you can... Heardle. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. And the latest thing with Wordle is people are cheating because they're Googling. So that's a big uh, issue. But now, this is the Wordle altern- alternative. It gives users six tries to guess the name of the pop song being played. And through a series of snippets that get longer with each try. It's, it sounds like it's just name that tune, right? Users can share their progress using Hurdle emojis. And a review of Google search analytics suggests people in some states cheat at the word puzzle game Wordle more often than others. Five of the six locations that cheat the most, five of the six, are in New England. Okay. What does that tell you? Well, it is the hometown of the Patriots. So we're used to all that. <laughs> <laughs> and the cheating part. Yeah. Yeah. Some people might say that. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, Volvo would put a wireless EV charging system through its paces as part of a program to test alternative charging options. A small fleet of electric Volvo XC40 recharge cars will be used as taxis in Gothenburg, Sweden, in a three-year pilot. The cars are equipped with a wireless charging system from Momentum Dynamics. Charging pads will be embedded in the ground at two different taxi stands. Hmm. Volvo will use 360-degree cameras to help drivers put the cars in the correct position for charging. And when they're in the right spot, the taxi's batteries will automatically be topped off. Interesting. So but they have to be in the right spot. Yeah. So they're doing this, you know, part of the test for three years, and then we'll see how it, how it goes. Maybe one day we'll be able to wirelessly charge our electric cars that are being fueled or charged by uh, dead dinosaurs. Yeah, because I was going to—I couldn't help but ask. You know, how was how are the charging stations powered? But you know, all those electric vehicle owners are laughing at the rest of us now. 
Well, if you already <laughs> bought one, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but but Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg the other day says, you know how to solve the gas prices? Just buy an electric car. Sure, because everybody has 40, 50 grand. They can just plop down right now and yeah. get an electric car. Which, of course, again, is powered by fossil fuels charging stations yeah. anyway. The only thing it's saving uh, is, is saving you from having to, get to buy the fuel. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> granted, you can thumb your nose at people and, and toot toot as you go buy a gas station now and say, I'm not doing it. And then that moron Stephen Colbert, who used to be funny, saying, I don't care if it's $15 a gallon. I drive a Tesla. Well, good for you. Yeah. Idiot. <sighs> Can I step off that soapbox yeah, for a please moment? Do. Oh, good. Instagram quietly removed two of its popular standalone applications from the Apple App Store and Google Play. Time-lapse video creation app Hyperlapse, which was on iOS only, apparently, which debuted back in 2014, and looping video creation app Boomerang, which I've used a couple of times, released the following year. The removal comes shortly after Instagram's recent announcement that it would stop supporting the IGTV app. And the changes indicate that Instagram is opting to consolidate some of its separate offerings to focus on the main Instagram app. Of the two, Boomerang had a larger install base. Apptopia data indicates Boomerang had seen 301 million lifetime global downloads, compared with just 23 million for Hyperlapse. In addition, Boomerang was still averaging 26,000 downloads a day, at the time they removed it. Oh. So tell me that wasn't stupid. That wasn't but, stupid. Uh, you, it was, though. <laughs> I'm just telling you what you told me to tell you. Okay, it's good that you're following <laughs> orders. Uh, but, of course, Instagram, owned by Facebook, Meta, uh, doing stupid things. Surprise, surprise. So if you like to use Boomerang, and apparently 26,000 people every single day were downloading the app and even, liking to play it with it. I didn't even know it was still around. Yeah. I actually just removed it from my phone. I went, take oh, that, Instagram. I'm not going to boomerang anyway. I never had it on my phone, so take that. Well, did you ever have hyperlapse because you're an iPhone? No. Oh. Try, and, to, uh, try and, to download that now. And I got rid of the Instagram app years ago. That's true. You're very antisocial. I you? am. You are. Tinder said that background checks are now available for people to screen their matches on the dating app. But how much uh, they charge for that? Uh, an update. This is an update to the, com- the company promised a year, uh, earlier this year. The background checks are provided through a nonprofit called Garbo, which Tinder's parent company Match Group acquired last year. The, the checks- same people that are Match.com. Yes. Also own Tinder. Yes. Yeah, and, and I think, and at least one of the other dating apps. So people don't realize when you sign up for all these like dating apps, or, most yeah. of them are like this. It's like the travel sites. Yeah. They're all owned by like two companies. God. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sharing your info amongst each other. Yeah. Uh, the checks will provide public information about violent or harmful behavior, including arrests, convictions, and sex offender registry records. Uh, to answer your question, at launch, Tinder is offering people two free background checks. After that, background checks will cost $2.50 each, plus a, quote, small processing fee. Yeah. Well, if it's two fifty for the background check, I would hope the processing fee isn't at least that much. Yeah. So, you know, why not, like, round it up to an even, even $3 and just yeah. not have a processing fee? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they didn't say how much the processing fee right. is. Well, it's it's like, the, you know, the you know, that's how they, they get it away with saying it's only two fifty, but then you have a small fee. It's like when you're, you're trying to look in your solar panels and they say 0% financing, but only a 2.5% annual fee. Yeah. It's like, well, then that, isn't that financing? That's, that's the interest, is it not? No, no, no. It's it's a fee to the installer who you've so, sold you the stuff. And uh, Yeah, okay. 
But it's, yeah, 2.06% of the balance. You have to pay that fee every year. Yeah, that's interesting. But, but it's not interest. No, no, it's 0%. It's, oh, please. <sighs> Liars. Liars. What can I say? Intotomorrow.com. take a lot of medicine or take care of someone that does hero is the new smart device that makes life easier by pre-sorting a 90-day supply of up to 10 different pills just pour them in and hero does the rest so easy to use and saves me so much time i never miss a dose i'm never late for a dose anymore and that is so critical to me what I like best about my Hero is that it's so easy to set up and it's so easy to use. And I don't have to worry about my pills or get distracted and forget, did I take that pill or not? Because it reminds me. It alerts and dispenses with the push of a button. Plus, Hero sends a friendly alert to you and a caregiver. Hero is amazing, but you could even live out of state with the person and still program their Hero from the convenience of your phone. I feel better than I have ever felt simply because I have this device. Try Hero risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, you don't keep it. Call 800-613-2715. That's 800-613-2715. 800-613-2715. Call now. A quickie into tomorrow tech fact for you to share. The term computer bug was coined way back in 1947 when a moth became trapped in a computer relay, causing an error. But do you know who it was that coined the term? Uh, the moth's mother? Grace Hooper. Yeah. Admiral, Admiral Grace, Grace Murray Grace Hooper. Hooper? Yes. No kidding. Very cool. I actually met her once. Back in the day, she was the Grand Marshal of the Orange Bowl Parade, when for 29 years I was the announcer on, on network television, uh, and would announce her and introduce her and, you know, live from Miami, Florida and all that fun stuff. Uh-huh. And she was the Grand Marshal one year. What an amazing lady. Yeah, oh, I, smart. I, I, never, I never met her, but I read so much about her. And yeah. yeah. She was a very smart woman. Very. Oh, my gosh. But she was the one I that found not... the moth in the computer and taped it to the logbook and coined the term computer bug. Wow. I'm even more <laughs> expressed now. How about them apples? Yeah. Oh, pretty cool. Did I mention, welcome back Into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by Blueberry Podcasting. You don't need to be tech savvy to record and publish your own podcast. In fact, it'll be easy for most Into Tomorrow listeners. They've got plans starting at just $12 a month. Check out B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. It's time for our history feature. IFA is one of the largest and oldest tech shows in the world. With this week's look back at IFA's historic past. Here's Chris Grave line. Line, 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 line. In 1966, an international conference authorized the European formats PAL and CCAM. And it was in 1967 at the 25th IFA in Berlin when the German Chancellor Willy Brandt pressed the button to launch color television in Germany. I know nothing. This was, of course, many years after the U.S. In fact, it was in Tech History last week. We talked about 1954 when color televisions went on sale here in the U.S. So Germany didn't have color TV until 1967. Wow. Uh, But uh, the communist Eastern Germany started two years later but used the French CCAM system to keep their citizens from watching West Germany's color TV, their favorite but illegal source of information and entertainment. Only big, expensive screens were available in color, and content very slowly made the transition to color. 
That's this week's IFA update brought to you by Messe Berlin. Be sure to visit ifa-berlin.com. And Steve in Kenosha, Wisconsin, listens to our free Into Tomorrow podcast that you can snag from wherever you get your podcasts or snag them at intotomorrow.com. And, of course, that's all brought to you by Blueberry. Hey, Steve. Hey, Dave. Cameron. Oh, Chris might be there, too. My uh, (laughs) mother-in-law's getting a little bit older, and my wife goes to call her, and she doesn't answer her cell phone. She's either left in another room or doesn't hear it or is falling asleep. My question to you is, is there something I can connect kind of in her apartment that'll ring or flash and and tell her the cell phone's ringing? I thought about, like, a a Fitbit or something, but she's going to take that off, I'm sure, and then leave it and we'll be in the same problem we are now yeah well steve there used to be some phone holders that would ring loudly and flash lights if the phone was ringing you can find it by the name of multi-phone ringer and flasher which should tell you something about how generic the device is the catch is that the phone needs to be on of course for it to work which will almost certainly land you in that same situation Yeah, the reason those devices aren't more popular these days is because modern cell phones include the flashing feature as part of their accessibility tools. Uh, They'll just turn the flash on and off in distinct patterns for texts and calls. Her phone must have the feature, and it'll be likely under the settings and accessibility. Obviously, if she leaves her phone with the flash towards the table, that method won't work either. If ringing loudly is enough and the lights are less important, then a smart speaker may help. They can act as basically a landline, but their lights are not intense enough to get much attention on their own. Yeah, we'll have a couple of more suggestions when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you want a company that's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. That's Blueberry Podcasting. Call one 729 8642 or visit blueberry.com that's b l u b r r y.com Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline. This our 27th year bringing you the latest in consumer tech including products, gadgets, gizmos, services, websites, all sorts of cool things available today and into tomorrow. We want to remind you that if you don't already receive our free once-a-week tech newsletter, my goodness, why not? It's very easy, we ask, only for your email address, which we don't share with anyone. And all these years, we've never done that, and we will not do that. And we don't spam anyone. But you put your email address in a little box that pops up when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. And then you'll get a subsequent email. It's a double opt-in thing because we don't spam anybody. That says, if you want to receive the tech newsletter, click here. And then, voila, you're in. So do get that, if you don't mind, because it tells you who's on the show this week. It tells you about our current prizes when you participate. You get some fun hmm thoughts that make you smile. So many people tell us they scroll down and read those first and start with smiles and then go back and look at all the other info that we have for you. Oh, including, go figure, some tech news. So again, sign up at intotomorrow.com. 
The Black Founders Development Program was launched to help black technology entrepreneurs grow their businesses through greater access to venture capital, corporate mentorship, and strategic connections. The global lead for open innovation and black founders development program with Accenture Ventures is Catherine Ross, who joins us now. Catherine, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? I am fantastic, Dave. Um, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to join you. Oh, it's our pleasure. I think it's really unique what you guys are doing and very, very cool. Tell me how it got started. Uh, well, well, Dave, it got started, uh, you know, as we looked and did research to understand where are venture capital dollars going, um, uh, you know, a few years ago. And, you know, really to understand where Accenture should place our bets, where should we should be looking in the ecosystem. And finding out that less than 1% of those venture capital dollars were going to black founders. I mean, that was shocking to me. Um, it's still shocking to me today. And, you know, I had to ask the question, why? And then how could Accenture really, truly make an impact and change the game? And essentially, that's how the program got started. Um, we were light in the beginning because one of the things that I recognized is we don't know what we don't know, hmm. right? We don't know exactly what these founders need. Um, but one of the things I absolutely did want to do was to meet them where they are. And in some cases, it may be capital. In other cases, it may be introductions. And in others, it really is for Accenture to be a test bed for them in terms of their capability. So we've started, um, you know, putting together a program. I feel like we are on stronger foundation in terms of how we drive impact uh, with our most recent investment in Sway Brand. Uh, we're starting to see the, the successes, if you will, of both partnerships and investments and how we um, can not only drive business uh, for our clients, but actually have an impact in the community as well. Well, very cool. Now, you mentioned only 1% of investments, for example, were going to black founders. I'm wondering, though, did you have any numbers or do you have any numbers about the number of black founders in terms of entrepreneurs, you know, compared to every other business opportunity out there? Is that sort of on par with that? Or I'm, I'm assuming there's a whole lot more. There's definitely a, a a growing trend is what I would say. Uh -huh. um, they are the demographic, the fastest growing demographic of um, individuals who are starting or running businesses since 2014. Hmm. Right. And it's been it's something that's actually been accelerated by the pandemic as well. Um, the actual largest group are African-American women um, who are the fastest growing uh, entrepreneurs um, globally. Wow. Uh, so, you know, when you you, you point to the fact that this is a group of people who are starting businesses at an accelerated rate against Latinx, which is about 12.9%, um, and the Caucasian population, which is about 12.2%, right? And they're at 20%, if not more. Um, then you still have to ask your, yourself the question, if they're starting businesses at a larger um, uh, 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 speed, but they're still getting less than 1%, there's still a there, there's a disconnect in there. Yeah. And that's what we're looking to do is how do we jumpstart that? How do we um, close that gap so that um, these businesses actually get the capital that they need, not just the capital, but the help? Um, that ultimately will drive diversity. It will drive innovation and, you know, um, it will create new opportunities, I think, across the board. Terrific. Now, you mentioned a company called Sway Brand, which I understand is a multicultural media tech platform. Uh, what can you tell us about what they do and why you then invested in that company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Sway Brand, um, their CEO is Horace Flournoy. Uh, it is essentially giving that connection to the artists, the creatives 
who create content, who can provide multicultural, intercultural content to brands. So if you are a client or a brand and you are trying to develop a new product, or maybe you're trying to market a product to a particular demographic, how do you create that authentic connection to know what that marketing strategy should be, what that plan should be? Um, you know, even if you take a, a, if you're trying to put a retail store in a particular demographic or a particular location, um, how do you understand the makeup of that location uh, where you get down to, from a cultural perspective, what do people look for? Or what do they see? Um, and I think that's the opportunity that Sway Brand brings. They are a platform that encourages the um, brands, if you will, to come to them to provide uh, a, a, a bio, a brief, if you will, in terms of what they're looking for, which could be um, a, a grandmother uh, of color who's got grandkids and you know they're, they're developing a new product for them. And then how does that connect to the creatives, the artists, um, the underrepresented artists who can then, you know, um, utilize that opportunity to provide context, content, if you will, to that. It starts to create that platform, that connection that really is, and is using, you know, some of the words um, directly from Horace, authenticity in that marketing strategy and that opportunity. Wow. Accenture. Accenture really sees that as a, you know, marketing has been around, it's a billion dollar marketplace, but now we're opening up a demographic that has, you know, sort of been left out of that, that, that um, economic uh, um, life cycle. Uh, And truly we see that there's new opportunities going to be created from that. And no doubt you see a lot of potential with this company then. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And if you think about a brand um, uh, and the development of new capabilities and technology, and if you can tap into a market, um, tap into a a cultural intelligence is the the, the term that that Horace uses, that enables them to understand how they form their strategy, how they form their product, you know, that that starts to to truly change the game. And it it hopefully um, prevents the stumbles or the misses uh, when you get into the market, when you get into the actual marketing uh, uh, execution. And I think it's it's terrific that you guys at Accenture have decided to raise awareness these days uh, about the inequities and challenges, in this case, that, that black entrepreneurs still face, but you're making a difference. You know, we truly believe at Accenture that good business does not have to come at the cost of um, uh, you know, the impact, the, uh, the opportunity to still give back to our communities, right? Those things are go hand in hand and ultimately, um, drive more business in the future, right? Um, you know, as we bring these diverse thoughts, these diverse capabilities, if you will, into the marketplace, that becomes true innovation. Um, that actually helps influence the way the world works and lives. That That is the change that we're looking to drive. Um, and so we believe that this is firmly part of our mandate as um, an entity to, to drive this level of um, awareness as well as elevation. Uh, and it is you know, part of our future in terms of um, growing our business. And uh, all things being equal and in a perfect world, where do you see this headed into tomorrow? What, what's your best case scenario at this point? Um, the, the, you know, in a perfect world, um, uh, having a black founders program is unnecessary because everyone, you know, sees the value. Everyone has a, a, a fair share, an opportunity, an access to um, uh, to provide their pitch, right? Um, you know. When you have that opportunity, right, then it's a choice versus you don't have that opportunity and you're scrambling to do something. So in the ultimate world, my program is not necessary and that our portfolios 
by and large, um, are already diverse because we are actively looking for the best technology and the best capabilities in the market to solve problems. Um, in the short term, there's a lot of work that we still need to do. There is still action that we need to take. You know, billions of dollars have been pledged to help um, drive uh, um, uh, more VC dollars, if you will, into this space. But there's still a lot of inertia. There's still a lot of education that needs to happen to actually bring that to fruition. So there's still some work to be done over the course of the next couple of years um, and some seismic shifts that need to happen because I think to a certain extent, following the same processes that you did last year is not going to necessarily get you a different result. Yeah. Um, but we do need to change the way we think um, and, the, and the way we act. But those things are starting and the momentum is growing. You make some great points, and, and you're right. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, and it shouldn't matter who you are. If you've got some great ideas, and you are you have that entrepreneurial spirit, and you're looking at technology to help change the world in whatever ways you're looking at, then you should just be able to do it, and you should be able to get the support you need to make that happen. Absolutely. If you have a great idea, irrespective of your race, your gender, you should be able to have a chance to have that idea elevated and visible and, you know, morphed and changed and grown into what it can be. Uh, Love it. You're a delight to chat with. Where can our audience find more information? Uh, To find more information on our Black Founders Program, please go to www.accenture.com, search for Black Founders Development Program or just Black Founders, you will be able to find us. And if you'd like to learn more about Swaybrand, um, please go to their website, uh, swaybrand.com, or follow them on Instagram, also Swaybrand. Ah, terrific. And of course, we will get our audience directly uh, to the Black Founders Development Program at Accenture.com when they visit us at intotomorrow.com. Catherine Ross is the global lead for open innovation and Black Founders Development Program with Accenture Ventures. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Keep up the good work. Again, visit us at intotomorrow.com. We'll get you there as we do all of our guests. I'm Dave Graveline. Stay tuned. Much more coming into tomorrow right after this, right here on the Advanced Media Network. I can't let diabetes get in my way. So here's what I do. I wear the Dexcom G6. It continuously sends my glucose numbers to my phone. And the arrow shows me where I'm headed and how fast, without finger sticks or scanning, making it much easier to keep my glucose in range. The more time I spend in range, the better I feel, and the more I can cross off my list. Don't let diabetes get in your way. Check out Dexcom.com slash in range. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G6 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. And into tomorrow, fun tech fact for you. After hiring a consultant in the early 1990s to help them evaluate possible business opportunities outside of consumer electronics, retailer Circuit City, remember them, founded used car dealer CarMax. We talked about that on the show a few weeks ago, and I did not know that. But I find that fascinating. Circuit City, history. CarMax, might as well be. Uh, But they're still around. (laughs) Because when I had them give me a price for my used MDX before I bought the brand new one, they were the highest price. So I personally didn't recommend friends going to CarMax because that didn't work. I mean, I always love you know looking back at like these companies' origins and you know how you find out you know all these tech companies that 
you know, didn't start off as tech companies. Like we talked about Samsung started as a grocery store. And yeah. Nintendo started as a playing card company. And Radio Shack started as a leather manufacturer. They were Tandy Leather. They were in the leather? That was how they started. It was the Tandy Leather Company, and then they sort of morphed into, you know, the Tandy Electronics Company, which was the owner of Radio Shack. That was the parent company of Radio Shack, the wow. Tandy Computers. And, well, of course. Yeah, I remember yeah. Tandy, but I did not remember they were leather. Yes. Interesting. Wow, the plot thickens, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Pretty cool. What do you think about companies, tech companies, changing things over the years? What, in fact, is the most interesting to you? How do you feel about these companies that started off doing very many other things other than consumer tech and then got into consumer tech. Well, it's like, you know, the parent company of the advanced uh, media network is Gravelon Electronics. What did Gravelon Electronics start off doing? It wasn't a radio show, was it? No, we were yeah. selling phones and beepers and, yeah, and stuff. DJ equipment. And, and yeah, <laughs> that's true. Speakers. Uh, we did, gosh, a couple of dozen uh, ice and roller skating rinks around the state. and I mean, a lot of weird stuff. But it was always electronics, though, one way yeah. or another. Always electronics. And that's that's true. It's our parent company is Graveline Electronics, Inc. And, wow. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. So even we have a weird history. Yeah. <laughs> we have but, a weird present, too. <laughs> yeah, true. But, it's again, it's always been electronics one way or another. This is true. And consumer tech one way or another. And we don't do any of that anymore because we don't sell products. We only try to sell advertising. Yeah. <laughs> that's hard enough. Walter from, he says, Everywhere USA, and he says he listens on the radio. Well, that's not a lot of information, but he sent the following email. He says, Great show, guys. I listen to you every Sunday at work. My parents live very rural, as in cellular is almost useless. About a year ago, I purchased an amplifier, just barely did the job with the help of an old 12-foot aluminum satellite dish pointed at the only tower in the area, which was about eight miles on the other side of the mountain. They don't want satellite, so what would you suggest for a stronger cellular signal? Also, what are your thoughts on the Brave browser? Well, Walter, you can't really repeat or boost what isn't there. So you probably only have two options. First, you could try a booster with a bigger, better antenna, or even change the placement of your current one to a location with hopefully some better cell reception. And if there isn't a place with better reception or a better antenna doesn't help, then you're probably looking at plugging in your own tower. Uh, That can happen in two ways, but they will require Internet service. They can just set their phone to Wi-Fi calling, which most carriers support, and their incoming and outgoing calls will automatically be routed through their Internet connection for free. Now, this is less common nowadays because of the cheaper and easier Wi-Fi solution, but you may still be able to get them on a uh, Pico cell device that they can plug into their router and to power. A device like that will act as a mini cell phone tower and give their phone regular cell phone service. Again, you still got to have some signal in the area. Now, that option is harder to find these days. And it needs to come from their service provider. But it may be worth giving your carrier at least a call to see if it can be done, if they still have them available. Now, for your other question, the Brave browser is getting more popular, uh, but it's been a little scammy so far. Uh, The engine behind it is Chromium, so it should perform the same as Chrome and Edge. But they've been caught changing URLs to include their referral codes to make money from users' purchases. They've also done some shady things with cryptocurrency. Um, So if you want to use it, it should be relatively safe. But their promises about privacy disappear when they stand to make money. And without the privacy angle, they're just another Chromium browser. Yeah. And if that's the case, Walter, just use Chrome. If you like the Chromium engine, if you will, just use Chrome. I use Chrome. Which by far is the most popular browser in the country. Yeah. 
well, exactly. in the world, really. I, I use Chrome and Firefox predominantly. Yeah, I want to say I, Chrome had an 80-something percent market share. Yeah. So. yeah, it's almost like Android. You know, a lot of people think, oh, everybody has an iPhone. No, they don't. Not by far yeah. around the world. It's mostly Android. But, you know, same thing here. It's mostly Chrome in terms of browser, in spite of the fact that others like Brave and, and even Firefox and Edge, please, Microsoft Edge, I'll give you an Edge, um, and others, Opera and so forth, they might like to make you think otherwise. See what happens. Let us know what works for you. Intotomorrow.com for lots more. Let's meet there. LifeCare provides valuable whole life insurance to cover final expenses such as medical bills, burial costs, and unpaid debt. A final expense insurance policy is fast, easy, affordable life insurance that's available to anyone between the ages of 50 and 80. No medical exams, no lengthy questionnaires, and no waiting period. The application process is quick and easy. You can even apply without having to undergo a medical examination. Just answer a few questions and we'll do the rest. With the average funeral costs skyrocketing to $11,000 and Social Security only paying $255, you need simple, affordable peace of mind for you and your whole family. Don't leave behind unpaid expenses, expenses that, if left unattended, will burden your family tremendously. Benefits include a guaranteed premium that will never increase, a guaranteed cash value, and a guaranteed death benefit that can never decrease. To find out how you can get final expense insurance with a guaranteed lifetime rate log, call LifeCare at Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. For more info, text the word radio to 35000. Joshua in Nashville, Tennessee, calling in using the Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com. We are looking to add two video cameras to our church building and would like to know if you think HDMI or a Cat5 such type cable would be better to run it over a longer distance to get a good 4K signal. Well, Joshua, an Ethernet cable is your best bet. It doesn't need to be Cat5. There are newer, faster standards out there these days, but a Cat5 or Cat5e will be enough to transfer the 4K video signals that you want to transfer. Yeah, the Cat5s in the higher categories will transmit signals effectively to around 300 feet, and you can buy better shielded pairs if you want to make sure you don't get interference from nearby wires. Just skip Cat8 cables. They're faster than Cat5 you're looking at, but they have much shorter maximum run lengths. Just for contrast, since you asked if Ethernet was better than HDMI, an HDMI cable has a maximum usable length of about 25 feet. There are HDMI boosters you can use, but that will only get you so far before it gets expensive or before it just stops working. Yeah, and Joshua, keep in mind, like with HDMI boosters, you may be adding noise to the line, so you don't want to do that. Let's all meet, shall we, at intotomorrow.com. Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. To participate with Dave and his tech geniuses and win prizes anytime, 24-7, 
Use our free Into Tomorrow app for your iPhone, Android, and Netbooks. Available in your app store or call 1-800-899-INTO. That's 1-800-899-4686. Be sure to visit our website anytime to read our show notes and watch our ITTV videos at intotomorrow.com. And join us next week as we bring you further Into Tomorrow. 